Hello, hello. This is Fabian Seewald, your host at the Sea Arts Podcast. And today we have an energizing personality with us, Dan Ram. He's rocking the stages all over the globe. And we dive with him into a startup mindset for the arts. Welcome to the Sea Arts Podcast. We built a bridge between arts and business and want to inspire you to see arts. Welcome everybody to a new episode of the Sea Arts Podcast. And today it's a big pleasure for us to welcome an extraordinary creative with us, Dan Ran. He's an entrepreneur and C. He really like accomplished a new way of the art of hosting a speaker. And as well, deep inside, I heard and uh, we talked about he's as well an artist. With his intercultural background, he's found a creative home around the globe. And today we're also exploring how Corona changed the situation. He shared the stage with Barack Obama, Richard Branson, or Formula One champion Nico Rosberg. And he inspires from college campuses over parliaments to big corporate innovation days in his unique way of, of playing, of interacting, and of creating the stage. We met back in the days in February before the Corona pandemic actually stopped the whole event business uh, back in Stuttgart. At a beautiful dinner, we co-create a little showpiece uh, with Dundu and Dan. And right now, yeah, let's welcome Dan. And thanks a lot for finding a time spot in your busy schedule. Woo! What an introduction. You should be my MC before I start MCing at an event. That is an epic introduction. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you for our past collaborations and very excited for what the future holds in this new world that we live in. It is a new world. I think we're not yet in the new normal, but uh, well, to, to start with, we always dive rather or, or look backwards. Like, who are you personally and like, where did you grow up? Moments where like life changes and takes a new direction. Tell us a little bit more about who is Dan Rand and how, and how did you become I am Dan Rand? <laughs> Those are a lot of questions. So let's start with the easy one. I don't belong in any country. I don't belong in any box. I am other. And what that means practically is I grew up in Abu, sorry, I was born in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, but I'm not an Arab or an Emirati. I hold a Indian passport, but I did not really grow up, nor do I fully identify with the culture, the colors, or the vibrancy of this nation. I spent most of my childhood in Africa, in Zimbabwe, Morocco, and Algeria, but I'm not African, although I uh, honestly love so much of the culture and the music and the dynamism of that continent. I spent some time in Europe growing up as a child uh, in Paris, France. But now I spend most of my time in Germany, Switzerland, Poland, very different parts of Europe. I have an American accent, but I'm not American. I went to college in the U.S. I went to college in Ireland. I have an economics degree from Yale University and an MBA from Trinity College. So as you can see from that background, I, I lived in 10 countries uh, and I'm now 34. So I'm averaging about three and a half years per country. Um, and I don't come from any of those countries. I come with all of those countries. Just like any experience that you're in, you learn, you grow, it forms you, it molds you, and you bring it into the next circumstance, the next situation. So that is Dan Ram's past. 
as far as professionally, it is also equally as colorful. My first job was working for the UN in Indonesia. Uh, and then I did some work for World Vision. So both of those are humanitarian agencies. But I also did some consulting work with KPMG, which is a big accounting firm. And I also worked with an international consulting group. I've also been in the investment world in private equity, in venture capital, and as an angel investor. I've also flipped the table and been an entrepreneur, having set up five companies in different countries. And I have done government work and as, a, as an advisor to the Irish Prime Minister, as well as to the Minister of Jobs, Enterprise, Innovation, putting together the National Policy Entrepreneurship. I was a educator, lecturing, an adjunct lecturer at two universities in Ireland on entrepreneurship. I've been a radio presenter, a voiceover artist, and so much more before landing in the current version of Dan Ram, the MC and host. And so equally colorful background professionally. I'm going to pause because it's turning into a monologue and I really want a dialogue. So jump in, my man. Well, what an impressive journey. But tell us a little bit, how did it come that you worked in so many different countries and also lived in so many countries? Was it already from your childhood onwards that your parents were taking you to, uh, to different places? Or how did it come that you like from Morocco to Zimbabwe? It's really like a, yeah, a global citizen. Global citizen because my dad was, he currently is a retired Indian diplomat. And so we traveled as a family, my younger sister, my mom and my dad, uh, four of us traveled from country to country to country before the world of social media, before the world of Google. And uh, as embarrassing as that sounds, before the world of internet, uh, I, I only had internet in my house when I was about 15. So uh, a lot of my childhood was really venturing into unknown territory. But if we could start dropping some lessons from the podcast, um, rather than just nice stories, I think some of the greatest learning happens when we're uncomfortable. And so even though it may have been scary to go from country to country, really no prior knowledge, with really no information, it was essential for personal growth. And so much of what makes us come alive is when we're teetering on the edge of life and death. That is when we truly are, are most alive. And so for me, having to do that every two to three years, literally getting on a plane and having no understanding of what even something as basic as weather looks like, like really nothing, let alone schools, friends, activities, hobbies, food, clothes, like all of those change every two to three years. But I think that's what made me come alive as a child is having to deal with the uncomfortable, having to deal with the discomfort, having to deal with the unknown, having to deal with the uncertainty, which is why this pandemic, uh, as terrible as it is, I've had some practice uh, dealing with this uncertainty. This, while though, although the situation may be new, the feelings that come with it are not. And what you have to do to respond to it, that's not new. I've been doing this from the time I was zero. <laughs> wow. Well, talking about two things that, that might be interesting for our listeners as well. One part is uh, the pandemic that 
put us on like a pause, but I also wrote what I've seen on Instagram for you. It was also rather a creative pause and also mm -hmm. like pivoting to, to different things. Could you share a bit how you from your kind of like globetrotter from conference to conference, from workshop to, to the stage, how did this change from one day to the other? Because I think we were talking about maybe meeting up in Munich in March. And then I said, um, our events are canceled. You said, ah, you might be in Munich, but it's not going to happen. How did this change uh, as, yeah, as a first question? All right, that's a really good question. So let's break it down this way. Life changed dramatically with the pandemic, but there's a four-step process that I tried that worked for me, which was start, learn, fail, succeed, all right? And so for me, I think, let's start with the pre-Dan and then the current Dan. Pre-Dan, traveled every two to three days to a new country. Four continents of work, 100 events a year. So if you do the math, 52 weeks, 100 events, you're doing about two to three uh, events per week. And <laughs> this pandemic destroyed two things. It destroyed travel and it destroyed gatherings of more than five people, right? So essentially, my globetrotting ended immediately and my event business ended immediately. So we're not talking like a 20% pay cut or work from home, or we're talking like 100 events to zero events. <laughs> you know, we're talking about like a pipeline of activities to everything's canceled. And I mean, everything's canceled. I'm not even talking like, oh, maybe Dan will like, you know, do a little pivot. No, zero, zero. And had to do this while having a team, while having responsibilities, while having salaries to pay, um, and also, like with everyone who is a hustler and who is trying to build, it's a complete shift in gear, right? Like, you're going from, how do I create more events to, like, how do I survive this pandemic? You're going from, like, oh, how do I, you know, try this new activity or innovate here or, you know, bring this new team member who can to, can I even leave my house? You know, like, it's a complete change in conversation. So... That's pre-Dan. Let's talk about current Dan. So current Dan is again hosting two to three events a week. Current Dan is coaching people online. Current Dan has built out a studio to do a lot of the work that he's doing. So the question is, the big question is, how do you go from pre-Dan to current Dan? What were the steps involved? And this comes down to the start Let's call it observe. You got to fail. And then, of course, success. Right. So essentially what I did is what is like the entrepreneur technique. And so when everything stopped, I brainstormed ideas, pulled out a piece of paper, you know, spent time in my head and just went with my skills, gifts, talents, resources, connections. How can I create value? My heartbeat has always been, how do I serve? Not like, how do I make money? How do I become famous? I was like, how do I serve? And so I just wrote down, what are all the ways I could serve? So one of those was songwriting. People really connected with music during this time. So can I spend time on my piano writing some music? That was one of the ideas. Uh, another one for my own creativity was puzzles. I loved doing puzzles. As a child, I did puzzles. So as silly as it sounds, a 34-year-old doing puzzles, I was like, you know what? When else can you do puzzles? So let me do puzzles now because I'm not going anywhere. And so I got a very challenging uh, puzzle and I just started making puzzles. 
I started focusing a lot on my personal health and well-being. So I've never had a routine because I haven't had a choice. Literally, time zones would change twice a week for me. We're not talking like daylight savings once or twice a year. I'm talking about like twice a week, I would be in a different time zone. So I never had uh, I never had a routine. I also, and you know this, being in the art world, like some days you have to work through the night and some days you have to sleep through the day and sometimes you work for 14 hours and sometimes you have no work to do. And you know, it's like, it's everything, it fluctuates. And so I thought, why not I have a routine? And part of that was sports. And so I started really committing to uh, playing tennis on a daily basis and really improving my game. So these were like passions I had was like creativity and sports. I was like, let me put some effort into it. Some of it was directly work related. So I thought if I can't interview people on stage, can I interview people on a screen? And so I started live streaming. I've never done live streaming before. I had to Google it a lot, I had to figure it out and essentially just start. Uh, just one day on Instagram, I was like, here we go. It's April the 1st and let's do an, uh, an Instagram live. And let me get another person to join me and I'll interview him on Instagram live. Um, that was just one of those things. And even with the coaching, as much as I love face to face coaching, as much as I love having a cup of coffee and seeing someone on the other side, the same question, how do I serve this person? Do I wait for months until we skill his life until we elevate him to the next level? Or is there a way that I can bless this person, help this person, coach this person, take him to the next level, even virtually? Again, not ideal, but Zoom, Google Hangout, Skype, why not use these tools? And so like that, I made a list of maybe about 12 things and I just started. No big budget, no big expectations, no big opportunities, I just started. There's a piano that is out of tune downstairs, just started playing it. There was a puzzle, again, here, there was no sales, there was no deliveries, right? Everything was shut down, except for hospitals and medical supplies. In India, things were really drastic. Um, and I, I literally mean, even if you don't know how to cook, you could not have food delivered to your house. You had to learn. You could not go for groceries. You just use what's in your fridge. So. I couldn't go buy puzzles. I just used whatever was in a shelf, a puzzle that I probably had for about 15 years that never came out. So I literally just started with what I had. That's the first. Second is observe. And this is so crucial. You got to spend time figuring out, is this a good fit? Does this align with my values, my mission, my vision, my desires, my hopes? Does this make me happy? Does this bring me pain? Does this cause uh, enlightenment? Uh, not just to myself, but people around me, or is this just stressful and exhausting? You have these conversations and in the process, some of these become fails and you have to be willing to admit it. For example, I love playing the piano, but I cannot songwrite. I tried so many times to just, you know, come up with lyrics. I can't. And it really hurts to say that because I'm, I'm very musical and I love music and I, and I love performing. And the funny part is on stage, I can make up lyrics. I can be creative, but something about, sitting on a piano and songwriting just does not work. Um, and I realized that maybe being a studio artist is not my gift. Being a live artist absolutely is. I am bursting with ideas when I'm on stage. There is something about spontaneous, impromptu, improvised creation that is instinctual for me. But something about being in a studio with the pressure of having a complete, perfect product at the end of it just kills my creativity. But 
if I didn't try it, I wouldn't have known that. But it's really nice for me now to know, Dan, don't put that pressure on yourself. That's not the kind of artist you are. But the next time there's an opportunity to show up on stage and create something, don't be afraid because what's been shown is that you can actually do really well. This only you can't. Puzzles, as much as I like puzzles, there's no career to be made out of that. As much as I was improving my tennis, I was not going to become a professional athlete. But some of the other stuff, the live streaming I told you about, honestly, it was one channel, Instagram, that then grew into five channels. We started, uh, I found a way to simulcast on five social media channels. We went from having, you know, a few guests on the show and a few viewers to having viewers from five continents every single day tuning in. And then just doing it 42 times in a row. So literally every single day I went on live stream. At the end of it, we ended up with a benefit concert on May the 12th. So I started on, on April the 1st, May the 12th, 42 days later, we created a benefit concert. And I had 55 artists from five continents comprising of 15 acts coming together to honor nurses. And we had a couple thousand people viewing and we raised a couple thousand as well for that. And that none of that would have happened. I would not have had Grammy Award winners and uh, American Idol winners and all these talented artists coming together if I didn't go on Instagram Live with one person and just chat with him and figure out the system. That was a success. The virtual conferences and the reason now that current Dan is able to do so many uh, conferences because I practiced. How do you deliver charisma? How do you deliver energy on a screen in a rectangle box? How do I see myself not as a person on a stage, but content that is viewed, that is consumed on a screen? It's a very different art form. And I just practice and practice. So now I'm again working with HP, PwC, BMW, and all these big clients, not saying that to show off, but just saying that credibility that opportunity comes from just practicing, just trying. And so that was the process, man. A very long uh, blah, blah, blah for me. But I wanted to take the time to explain it because I don't want to leave it philosophical. I don't want to leave it theoretical. I want to tell you literally what did I do. I started with 11 or 12 things. I observed what was good and bad. Through the observation, I found the areas that I fail at. And I, and I say that with humility, but you have to know what you're not good at. And you have to be able to take it and go, that's not my gift. But in the process, you find what you succeed at. And then you lean in to that success. So I'm back to doing the stuff I love in a very different format. Still coaching people, but virtually. Still hosting conferences, but virtually. Still uh, consulting and helping my clients, but virtually. But you had to dare to start. Yeah, totally. It's, it's about making the first step and not, not being afraid to fail, but just... Uh, just going with it. Wow, so many well cool things you talked about the rituals, and I also felt it's actually a unique time to create new rituals and create new habits because you're not always like jet lagged and uh, and whatever. And another thing that I liked a lot about what you share with us is like connecting a bit with your inner child about like yeah. your artist within uh, playing the piano, doing the puzzles. Because yeah, sometimes we're maybe too much in this business mindset. We have to. Uh, we have to work, we have to functionate, and that's uh, that's a great thing. Well, for, for us with Dundu, trying, trying in a way to get virtuals also, like we did a Zoom dance party, we went on a, a live stream. I would like to ask you, because a lot of our community listeners are also thinking about how can they 
transmit the art in a way because for Dundu, you know, it's sound and it's movement and with latency, sometimes the bandwidth is not enough. How do you actually get the connection with the audience? Because I, how I experienced you live in Stuttgart back in February was like, it's really this dialogue, this energy flow with the audience. How can you get this virtually? Are there any hacks that you learned on this, uh, on this pivot journey so far? That's a great question. Um, All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm not an expert in this. I'm still in the learning process of it. But I always ask why before figuring out what, right? And so, for example, why create energy? Like, why is that even necessary on a stage? I mean, MCs generally, because most people have been to an event, MCs generally read scripts. MCs generally dress professionally as in like in a suit, especially for like a tech event or, or you know, mobility event or something of that sort. Um, MCs generally are proper. And then comes me wearing funky alternative fashion clothing, uh, literally running onto stage and not walking in a organized professional method and being a little bit fun, you know, playing games on stage, interacting with this, uh, with the audience, jumping off the stage doing stuff like that. The question, it's, it's easy to look at what I'm doing, but the real question is why am I doing it? And the question, and the reason for why is generally events are long. Generally, people come to an event for one or two specific elements, not for all of it. They come to hear that one big keynote speaker, or they come to see that one interesting booth or one interesting invention or story, not for all of it. And yet they're there the whole time. And so you create energy for engagement. It's not about being energetic. It's actually about engagement. So then I start with that and I go, how can you engage people virtually? It's really not about energy. It's about engaging. And so the question, the, the answer to that is, well, a lot of virtual platforms have a chat and a comment section. So now when I do a virtual conference, I will say something like, hey, guys, I would love to know where you're watching from in the comment section. Let me know what city you're in. I would not do that at a physical conference. But at a physical conference, I would say something like, all right, everyone raise your hand if you're from Germany. Let's give a hand to all our German. Okay, what about people outside of Germany? It's the same concept in a different way. You're still trying to drive engagement. You're still trying to create a sense of belonging. And so... That's one option virtually for engagement. Another option is polls and surveys. Um, a third one, which I've been doing recently, is virtual photo booths, right? So at a physical conference, I can see the audience and the audience can see me. In a virtual setting, they can often see me, but I can't see them. But I want to create engagement. Engagement is two ways. So what I tell people now is take a selfie and post on this link. And we build a mosaic with everybody's faces. And it's a way to celebrate and honor each individual. And also it's interactive and fun. So it's not, oh, do a virtual photo booth or oh, ask people to comment. It's actually why engagement. Engagement is the why. So find the many different ways that you can engage, whether it's polls, surveys, uh, competitions, challenges, social media contests, uh, photo booths, uh, games, whatever it is, the why is engagement. So that's consistent, whether it's physical or whether it's virtual, I desire to engage an audience. Second is elevate. I never want to waste a moment or a day of my life. Life is short 
And we need to constantly be growing. We need to be constantly learning. I don't ever want to come to an event and be forgotten. And I don't mean that from an egotistical way. I want to be of value. What is the point of me being in your life if I haven't created some value? What is the point of you giving me your time and your attention if I'm not helping in some way, right? And so at a physical conference, often the best gift I can give people is positivity, is hope, is passion. You will see it in the way I talk. You will see it with the energy on stage. You will see it in the kind of questions I ask. You'll see it with the personal attention I give people at an event. And it's, those are what I do. But why am I doing it? It's to elevate, tell people get to the next level. It's the same thing now I'm doing virtually. While I might not be able to give that personal attention virtually, because I can't see you on, on the screen, while I might not be able to jump onto screen because that doesn't make any sense, um, while I might not be able to do all those other things, I can still elevate. And so what it looks like virtually is, I will say, um, you know, use this hashtag if you would like to see my top 10 tips on this topic. Or drop me an email and I'd love to connect you with the speaker. It's to elevate. It's to help people go, wow, this was valuable. Oh, wow, these 10 minutes were so helpful because I now have some knowledge or some skills or some resources I didn't have before. So I keep coming back to why and then figuring out all the different what's and how's of accomplishing the why. So let's just stop at that. Those, those are like two whys that, I, that are very core to me as an MC is engagement and helping people elevate to the next level. And that hasn't changed uh, with the virtual world. The only thing that's changed is how I'm delivering it, but the why has not changed. Amazing. Engagement elevation. I think that's really, really core. An artist in whatever way they're doing their thing online or hopefully very soon as well, hybrid or as well, everybody's waiting for the analog to, to come back in. I think it's, it's core in, in any case. Talking about engaging people, uh, currently what's happening in the United States with uh, the I Can Breathe, what do you think as, as artists but as well as speaker? Uh, what is our responsibility in, in such a time to not, not just do our thing, but also somehow like I, I discovered during the Corona times, zooming in and zooming out. I had this zooming in kind of like finding my, my kind of family uh, safety bubble in a way and really enjoyed this. I called it Corona creative, but then at some point you're, uh, you're zooming out, you're seeing the big picture, which is like beautiful in a way that the whole world is fighting against this exponential enemy. And it's also like, Uh, a pandemic of collaboration if you put it like very positively but then these things like uh, the the death of, of George Floyd which is again like causing uh, like big demonstrations what do you think is is a way to cope with it as well like for people like you have uh, have lots of followers as well to in a way like speak up on the other hand also like um, do, do the right thing is this like also like getting into, in a way, a political position? Yeah. Um, I think you actually answered that question in the question. And I think there's a micro and a macro element to it. And I think the problem is when you focus on one and not the other. And so let's start with micro. You know, you have to think as to what is your voice Your personal voice. It doesn't matter how many followers or not you have. Everyone has influence. Some, you know, if you're a dad, if you're a brother, if you're a neighbor, if you're a leader, it doesn't matter. You have influence. And so one element is 
at the micro level, how can you use your voice? And every voice is valid. We've kind of fallen into this terrible situation where we make, you know, certain things right or certain things wrong, you know, black or white. It's not that. Every voice matters. I think every perspective and opinion matters. So use that micro gift, which is your individual voice, your individual perspective, your individual attitude, your individual experiences, and make that heard. So part of it is micro. And connected with that is also your micro health, you know, like, if you are getting stressed out by seeing images of writing, stop seeing it, right? Just take care of your mental health and, and just choose not like during the Corona time, initially, the first few days, I was just watching the numbers going up. And then I just made a decision that until lunchtime, I would not look at the numbers, right? I would do all the other stuff, you know, do emails, play some tennis, spend some time reading my Bible, prayer, meditation, all that fun stuff reading books, but I would not go on the website to see what the numbers were. And that was just something I made a decision at the micro level for myself. So one is the micro responsibility. Use your voice, be responsible for your health. The second is macro because we are connected and it is important to realize how your voice has influence on other people. And with that comes responsibility. So it's not just, oh, this is my attitude. I'm going to speak what's on my mind. No, you also are part of community. So are you doing things that are beneficial or not beneficial? And also realizing that the collective can be often more powerful than the individual. So be part of what is happening at a mass level. Be part of, so even yesterday, we had this thing called Blackout Tuesday, where on all social media, people decided to show their solidarity by not posting anything, by not taking the attention to any other stories, any other news, except for the most important one right now, which is about black lives, black voices. And that's where all the attention was going. That's where it deserved to go. And so everyone took part in that and me as well. That was just a small micro step that's actually part of a big macro step because me just not posting for the day is nothing. But when I checked yesterday, when I posted at some point in the morning on Instagram alone, there were 24 million hashtag Blackout Tuesday posts. That was in the morning. I don't even know by the end of the day how many millions and millions of people, but that collectively makes a difference. So you answered it perfectly, man. There's a micro responsibility, there's a macro responsibility. If you neglect the micro and just look at the macro, oh, the politicians will figure it out, oh, the leaders will figure it out, then you have betrayed your own voice is not even betraying others. You just betrayed the power that you have to communicate your ideas, your views. You have failed yourself, really. On the other hand, if you think that you are the be-all and end-all and you neglect what is happening around you, if you're blind to what is happening around you, you're contrary to what is happening around you, then you're just selfish. And so you don't want to just focus on the, on the macro and not on the micro. And you also don't want to just focus on the micro and not the macro. I think Seeing both and doing both is really where the magic is. So, well done, man. You answered that really well. <laughs> yeah, I love this question I answer myself. Well done, Fabian. Well, in the beginning, you also put something out that you learned very early to cope with uncertainty and also kind of you got comfortable being uncomfortable. And uh, recently, we also shared a lecture about stealing fire by Stephen Kotler and flow states and altered states. That's also an area that I feel for me, it's really connected with the arts, with my arts, with being creative. 
uh, how do you actually get into these creative states? What are the moments when you're most creative? Is it when you're doing sports? What are these moments of ignition where the new ideas come up? You or you already shared about the process that you once you have the ideas, you're going through. But as well, like when you go on stage, be it virtual or offline, do you have some rituals before you go on stage to get this energy and to, to get you in the zone? So let's talk a bit about your flow. I love that question. I actually just posted yesterday on LinkedIn and I think over the weekend on Instagram around like, how do you get all this energy down? That's the question I get asked the most. And to me, it actually comes down to routines and rituals. Um, before I give my answer, I'm curious for you, given that you also are an artist and a performer, what rituals do you follow? What do you do? Well, with Dundu, we have a ritual. Uh, puppetry is all about breath. So like finding one common breath and in the way like breathing is so essential in meditation, in yoga and for this giant puppet it's the five breath of ourselves connecting to merge into something bigger. And I think that it's rather the metaphor, which is already so making me some goosebumps currently. It's uh, because I also have some, some yearning to play Dundu again. It's been some time, but it's really uh, as well getting together and, and kind of like focusing the energy because flow follows focus. And, yes. and that's one part for me as an individual performer, my clown and my juggler is a bit different. He's a bit rather in, uh, hyperactive. So it's really like being, being warmed up. And then uh, I call it a soft focus. So rather not being focused on one thing, but rather have a wide focus and, and see what's going on and then play with these things. So it's, it's two things that I really like. It's like this, the hyper laser focus with Dundu, which is really like merging the group energy together. And for me as a clown a juggler performance, really rather a totally opening up to the audience and playing with the energy that is there and kind of taking it and, and taking it apart. That's what from, from my artists within how I uh, well, try to get into the zone, yeah. Okay, I like that. So for me, because I am, performing generally solo as opposed to a team. Now, there are times I've done like co-emceeing and I've also been part of a, an act and for sure then I love that unified breath, that unified mindset that's so key and that has to be a part of the routine. For me, it's a little bit more solo. So I'll break it down into what I normally do. Um, there are different components to my morning routine. The first is spiritual. To me, this is like the core of every person. I know that we're in a physical body and that we're have a finite lifeline, but I firmly believe that we're actually eternal beings that are just in a finite timeline and that we're actually spiritual beings that have a physical body. And so the first thing I pour into is my spiritual. Um, what that looks like practically is when I wake up, even before I put on my notifications or Wi-Fi, I have a downloaded recording of the Bible and every single day there's like different um, passages that are read out and usually someone has written and then has spoken like some learning from it and so I will usually think about that I, I want to think deep macro and spiritual in the morning I don't want my first thought to be what do I have to do today I don't want my first thought to be what does my boss want uh, I want my first thought to be why am I here? What is the significance of life? What is value? What is purpose? Like that is what I want to think about in the morning. So there's a spiritual component to the day. There is a creative component to the morning routine. 
I like to either listen to music, dance to music, uh, write something down, journal something, uh, create something, play with something. But there is a creative element to the uh, morning routine. There's certainly a physical element to the morning routine, whether it's a quick 10-minute run, which is the shortest that I'll ever do, or if it's an extensive like 45-minute, 60-minute intense training in the gym uh, or on a court somewhere. I think it's super, super important to physically activate your body uh, in the morning. Um, part of that is also having a nice, solid breakfast as much as possible. Keep it organic, keep it fresh, um, and having a really, really, really good uh, breakfast, you know, just feeding your body with the healthy stuff. I think uh, a part of the morning routine also is relational. I'm very, I guess, intentional about who speaks into my mornings because it has power, right? If the first two people you meet go like, oh, it's Monday, your immediate thought is going to be, oh, it's Monday, right? We're not that powerful. We're heavily influenced. On the other hand, if the first two voices that speak into the day is, say, a podcast with someone who's super energetic or a Insta story, or in my case, it's my family. So a quick chat with my parents or my sister or my close inner friends who are all like motivated, driven, ambitious people. And the first thing they tell me is, Whoo, it's Tuesday. Here we go. Here are three things I want to get done. And I can't wait. Hold me accountable, my man. Then I'm thinking, what am I going to get done? What is my goal for the day? Right. And so I, um, there's also a relational elements. So there's a spiritual, physical, creative, relational elements to every morning routine. And all of those things I usually can get done in 60 to 90 minutes. Um, and so I usually, the first 90 minutes, I'm very selfish. Um, and I firmly believe that you cannot give what you don't possess. You cannot pour out if you're on empty. So I spend the first 90 minutes filling my tank so that I'm overflowing, so that I'm abundant. And these are the things that fuel me. These are the things that give me energy. So that creative, you know, thing that I might do on stage is a combination of being physically activated, spiritually activated, creatively activated, uh, relationally activated. The love that you will see in my eyes and my body language and my passion on stage is not made up. It's not a performance. It's because of the love that I feel, whether it's spiritual from God or whether it's relational from my friends and my family, because I have received so much from them in the morning, I'm able to give in the evening. So that's, that's, those are some of the elements of my morning routine. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge give and take. Is there anything specific that you do before going on stage? Is there some kind of also short meditation ritual or yeah. this depends on the context? Yeah. If I'm on good behavior, yes. Sometimes in the event business, uh, there's, you know, mess ups and confusion and chaos and you just kind of have to like roll with it. Uh, most it's, it's rarely from my end because I'm very, very careful and protective of my time. It's usually something like, Oh, the president has canceled last minute. His helicopter is not going to land. That happened at the start of this year at the world economic forum It's like a stew windy, his helicopter can't land. And I found out the information five minutes before we went on stage. And so there was like all of this like confusion around that. Um, but if I'm on good behavior and if my clients are on good behavior, yeah, I have a very short routine that I do. I do breathing exercises. Uh, and for me, it's speaking is really, it's like swimming. It, it comes down a lot to your ability to breathe. 
And so I'll inhale for four seconds, I'll hold for four seconds, and I'll exhale for four seconds. And then I'll inhale for four seconds, I'll hold for four seconds, and I'll exhale for eight seconds. Then I inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and I exhale for 12 seconds. I'll just keep increasing until I can exhale in a consistent, smooth sound for up to 30 seconds. Then I know I'm good. Um, so there's a breathing exercise. There is certainly physical stretches, everything from my ankles and my legs to my knees, my hips, my chest, my shoulders, my arms, and then the face, because I'm using my face to say these words. And so I'll do stretches from my face, which honestly I did not know about before uh, getting into this world. I didn't even know there were muscles in my face to use. I just started talking. I mean, what baby warms up their face before speaking, right? So I did not know that. I had to learn that. So there's physical stretches I do, and then there are vocal stretches I do. Uh, anyone who's in the music world knows some of these things like a siren. It's where you go from your lowest note to your highest note and back to your lowest note with no breaks in your voice. It's very similar to the sound an ambulance or a police car might make, depending on the country that you're in. Um, I also do scales where I'll sing five notes up, five notes down, and then I'll transpose, sing five notes up, five notes down. Um, and so I just stretch my vocal cords before I go on stage. And then the, some of the other smaller stuff is I just make sure I'm hydrated. So I'll drink some nice clean water or some orange juice. I'll make sure that I have got some little snack, whether it's nuts or banana or something to give me that energy on stage. Um, and then I'll try to be silent. Um, I don't think about anything. I don't practice my words. I don't practice my lines. I don't think about the to-do list or the agenda. I just try to be still. Uh, and sometimes that can be the most challenging thing. Uh, but I find this really helpful. Uh, and it doesn't have to be long. I find even 60 seconds of just being very still in the middle of chaos is really powerful. Wow, so much so much wisdom, starting with the morning routine, but then also thanks for sharing as well the rituals that make you well being the best version of yourself on, on stage and just actually I think it's it's about being yourself that's authenticity that's what I felt when we met this that's one of your your superhero skills thank well, you we're we're getting towards the end of the podcast but I have two two more small things one thing is uh, you shared a lot of your wisdom with us how can we learn more from you do you also you said you coach online you also have courses online how people could dive more into uh, well your yeah your world of wisdom of speaking of the art of hosting I love seeing people grow and I love seeing people succeed and so if I can help you succeed you best believe I'll do whatever I can to help with that. And there's a couple different ways. The, uh, the free version of it is follow me on social media because a lot of my content is just around uh, performance, creativity, speaking, business, entrepreneurship, being a freelancer. All of these topics I think are very helpful in the art creative world. And I post content directly from my own life as well as produced edited content with my videographers and vloggers as well. And I post daily. And so there's tons and tons of free content. Hopefully it will motivate you and encourage you. The second is um, I have an online course called Speaking Success. So if in particular you want to learn how to communicate effectively, whether as a salesperson, whether as a student with a presentation, whether as an artist on stage, uh, I have this course. It's video-based. It's practical. It's six modules. You can probably do it in six days. And it has uh, a lot of activity sheets, so it's very hands-on. 
And that's probably the, the cheapest option. And then the coaching gets a little bit more expensive because it's, I'm, it's actually, I'll be honest, it's because I'm ambitious. And so when we get into a coaching contract, I'll say, what are three goals that you want to achieve? And I'll say, how soon do you want to achieve it? Four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And then I do everything to make those three goals happen in six weeks or in eight weeks, which means a lot of my time and resources. It means a lot of their time and resources. And so far we have a hundred percent success. And so the coaching is expensive because it's so committed to, it's not like here's a nice add on skill or a nice certificate. It's like, Oh no, I want to set up my own business in six weeks. Good. Let's do that. You know, or, Oh, I want to get a TEDx talk in eight weeks. Great. Let's make that happen. Um, I don't, I want to have better time management efficiency. I want to have better life skills. You know, this whole flow state that we're talking about. Uh, I, and I want to figure that out in four weeks. Good. Let's do that. So that's the coaching. Um, yeah. And whatever I can do to help, I've got tons of like free eBooks and things like that too. So reach out. I'd love to help if I can. That's the only reason I'm doing the whole online version of me is to be of assistance. Um, and I want to use whatever platform I have to help other people elevate as well and grow. And it's worth saying at I am Dan Ram. So my name is Dan Ram. And so you can find me at I am, I am Dan Ram, D-A-N-R-A-M. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, or the website, I am danram.com. Yeah, so folks, connect with Dan with I am Dan Ram. And we're also going to uh, put these links in the show notes. To, uh, to wrap this up, we talked about, uh, about pre-pandemic, then, then what you're doing in the present, how you're staying corona-created. Let's talk a bit uh, about the future. What, are, what is on your like, future bucket list? You said you want to, to serve, you want to give. Well, is there anything specific that you, that you see on the horizon that, well, makes you get up in the morning even a bit more ener energetic? And as well, like, uh, what do you see as the future of events, the future of speaking? When do you think will we go back to this uh, new normal and what will this feel like? So I'll start with the second question. I'll end with the first question. Um, as to what the future is for the event business, I think we will start seeing more hybrids between virtual and physical. I think, as there should have been from the start, physical elements, physical events need to have virtual elements uh, because you can just access more people and people who can't physically come can still be blessed, can still learn, so can still benefit from a physical conference. I also think virtual conferences will start having more physical elements. So yesterday I was working on this concept of a swag bag. And essentially, in, in addition to having a link to join a live stream, You'll get a special mug, you get a t-shirt, you get some game elements. And so even when you'll be seeing me on screen, I'm going to tell you to like, get your swag bag and pull out this and let's do this. There'll be a physical element to virtual as well. So I think we'll start seeing more hybrids because we now know that we can and we'll start leveraging what is strong in all of them. Like networking is certainly stronger physically than virtually, but engagement for whatever reason is much higher in the social world on a virtual conference than a physical conference. And so we'll start leveraging what is strong in, in all of them. And I do think the event business will come back uh, again with some modifications with more safety and things like that. But I've been booked for an event in Switzerland in October, physical, booked for an event in uh, the U.S. in November that is physical, 
And so I think we'll start seeing some of these physical conferences coming back. As to the, set, the first question, which was the future and what's on my bucket list and what makes me wake up with more excitement, I'm going to say that it probably is the greatest blessing of my life to say that I am so fulfilled with the present. And I think that a lot of people have happiness, joy, peace of mind, and fulfillment associated with something in the future. And that is okay. I was there as well. But I think one of the greatest accomplishments of my life is to have arrived at a place that my best life, my best me, my fulfillment, my alignment with who I am and what I desire from life is actually right here, right now. It's not something a few months away, a few paychecks away, or a few years away. It's actually happening right now. And I, I'm not saying that to make anyone feel bad. And I'm just saying, work till you get there. Because I did that. I worked, I tried stuff, you know, as we started the interview, you know, everything from government work to creative work to investment work to entrepreneur. I did all of that. I did the hustle. I did the living in different countries. I did the working with different kinds of people. I did all of the fighting, the seeking, the searching to arrive at this point. And now that I'm here, my only desire is to maintain it, to keep it. And it's not a passive state. It's an active state, right? So it's not like now I put my feet up and hang out on a beach. It's a constant configuring and learning. How do I keep feeling fulfilled even today? Um, how do I keep adding value to people even today? Uh, but knowing that I'm already doing that today, and that's also good enough. Um, so yeah, I actually don't, I honestly don't have anything in the bucket list. I honestly have nothing that I'm hoping will happen a year from now or a month from now that'll make me happier. I am honestly as happy as can be as fulfilled as can be. And whatever life throws at me, I'll keep shifting, keep adapting, keep growing. There'll be good seasons. There'll be bad seasons, but that doesn't affect my joy. There'll be moments that the bank balance is bigger and moments of bank balance is smaller, but that doesn't steal my happiness. Um, these core feelings are not associated with external materialistic or life situations. These are just things I possess and I will never allow anyone or anything take those away from me. That is a mindset that I've arrived at and that's all I need, really. Thanks, Dan, for these words, both for the outlook of the, the future of events, but more than anything else that you're well filled with gratitude, with flow, with with what it means, well, what it means to be the human, to be in the here and now. Uh, do you want to share uh, anything else with our listeners? Last thing I want to say, and I always say this, start now, start simple. The best moment to chase your dreams, to cross a boundary or an obstacle, to deal with the situation is right now. And the only resources you need are the ones you already have. And that's the basis of start now, And start simple. You right now have what you need to get to the next level. So don't be afraid. Start now. Start simple. And if I can help you, reach out because I will. And if I can't help you, then don't stop searching. Find someone that can and start now. Start simple. Cool. Well, thanks so much. That is a call to action for all of you out there. Let's make, uh, let's make it happen. Let's make a better place. Thanks, Dan, for this wonderful conversation. And we keep in touch and hope to see you soon again on the stages of this world.
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thanks for creating this important, important conversation. Start now and start simple. That's what Dan said. I encourage you to whatever you're doing currently, put some extra energy in it and believe in yourself. Please let's stay in touch. Follow us on Instagram at CArtsNow and please also subscribe to the podcast and give us a review on iTunes. Thanks so much.